welcome to the Inner Bitch, Inner Truth podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jacari, naturopathic doctor turned speaker, writer, and intuitive empowerment coach. Each week, I bring you inspiring stories, people, and messages to help you lean into loving your emotions, transforming your relationship with yourself and others, and giving you the clarity you need to create a life you love. Today I have with me Dr. Jonelle Shaw of Shaw Family Practice. She's out in Northern Colorado and we actually went to naturopathic medical school together. And so that's how I know her. And she really focuses on on families and particularly an interest in women's health. And so when we were just kind of chatting a little bit, she started talking about how, you know, she was going to be on the podcast that she'd be during this week, because this is her like good week, you know, according to her menstrual cycle. And I was like, we need to talk all about menstrual cycles, because I need to learn more about how I can optimize my life based on my cycle. And this is just kind of the next step for me in my own personal healing journey. It's, I've done a lot of work around the masculine energy. I have not done a lot with the feminine and we can kind of get into maybe underlying reasons as to why I haven't gone there. But um, yeah, so Dr. Shaw is here with us just to teach us all about our bodies and about our munsies and about how we can really be less hard on ourselves overall because we are females and because of, of this beautiful gift that we have that sometimes feels like a curse of, a, of menstruation, it's, it can give us a lot of insight. And so I just want to jump like right in and kind of see what you have to say about, about this. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So when we were talking and I said, hold on, I need to, to pull out my cycle calendar um, and see what days would be good. It was because I was looking for when I was going to be ovulating. Um, and that is because your left and right hemispheres of your brain are going to be, um, wired for better communication during that time. So I know that if I'm going to give a presentation, I would like it to be around the time that I am ovulating so that I don't stumble over my words and I can clearly deliver a message, but also so that that message is better received. So if you have a big meeting, if you're going to negotiate for something that you really want, um, I always suggest that women look at their cycles and figure out as close to ovulation as you can get so that your hormones are working for you and not against you. Um, I tend to tell women the other way that you know that your cycle is coming is they're like, oh yeah, that's when I'm bitchy. And it's like, I know it's right around the corner. And it's, and I'm like, that's your luteal phase. And um, that is a great time to put in a different perspective and and, um, just look at it instead of terming it as bitchy, it's really you being decisive and you're evaluating and assessing things. Everything becomes black and white. It is the perfect time to do taxes. You are no nonsense and you're going to see through people's bullshit, right? And so people do not receive you well and they will be like, oh my God, don't talk to her today. She is bitchy. And it's like, no, you're annoyed by others because you see what they're doing and you're very clear and direct, which is not um, 
a positive quality associated with females. Typically it's a positive uh, quality of males, um, but for women, that's when we get labeled bitchy. And so I wanna teach women how to use their cycles to support their life, right? So if you know that you've got um, a lot of productivity that you need to do and planning for things, look at your follicular phase. And that is that week or two right after you have stopped bleeding. Okay, so you've got your menstrual phase when you're bleeding, and that is a great time to be alone and to um, do the work that's under the surface. So like think of a plant growing roots, you're not seeing leaves springing out, you're not seeing flowers blossom, you're seeing the roots and all of that groundwork that has to be laid. And that's when you're setting intentions for your future. That's when you're like, what do I need to let go of? Um, and, and going ahead and being alone and moving slow. So when we're talking about like exercises that you want to do during your menstrual phase, you may choose to do none because you may want to rest. Walking is a great one. And so it's like slow hiking. I, I tend to stay away from high energy activities. So like HIIT training um, or running, those I say for the follicular and ovulation phases, because your energy is going to be higher. So if you're going to cycle through your exercise routines, that's when you want to use those ones. Uh, follicular is also because it's that higher energy, you're better at networking then. So it's a great time to start planning and talking to people about like, hey, let's connect, let's do this, let's get together, let's have coffee. You're going to be more of a people person and you're going to be able to actually take action on things because you've got better energy. So Here's a caveat that I like to tell women, especially when they're starting to look at this. When you look at Instagram or Facebook and you're like, wow, this woman's life is amazing. Please realize that if you're being hard on yourself about what you're seeing, you're likely in your luteal phase and that woman is in her ovulation phase. Okay, so if you see a woman walking, and this has been proven, if, if you video record the same woman walking in different um, phases of her cycle, she will have a more romantic sway and more like dance-like movements. Her hair will be better. Her skin will be clearer um, around her ovulation. Okay. Okay, side note. <laughs> if you've been in the service business, like um, being a working in a restaurant or um, even the strippers, because, you know, let's just face it, women have all kinds of professions, but your tips go up around that ovulation phase because you are more attractive. You speak better and people find you more attractive, both physically and mentally. You are more well-received then. So if you're going to ask for that promotion or that raise, you do it around your ovulation. Okay. All right. Um, let's, let's move on to the luteal phase. So um, that would be more, uh, so this is right after ovulation and up until the time that you bleed. So that's about a two week period for people who have the standard 28 to 35 day cycle. If you have irregular periods, anything like that, start tracking them, at least know where you're at um, and you can go from there. But that luteal phase is the second half of your phase that we were talking about that bitchy phase. Um, that is a better time to do a lot of self-care and um, doing like uh, yoga and Pilates, those slower movement activities that require you to be more precise on uh, how you're controlling your movements. They're more posture-based. That's going to be really helpful there. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. This is so helpful. So helpful, especially because you were just talking about the luteal phase and that's the same phase of like the bitchy phase. Yeah. Because that's something that I do. It's like, if I notice myself like on edge or like feeling angsty, I make myself do some sort of like hit exercise or something, which is not what I should be doing. And did you just hear the language I used to? I make myself do. Yeah. I got, I got some work to do. (laughs) So a lot of times people have heard of like intuitive eating and I like to ask women to track their cycles, but also be um, reflective in what you're feeling. So it's like track your, track the food that you're having at those different times, because you might see that there's a trend in increasing carbohydrates around ovulation and then increasing them again when you're um, in your menstrual phase, because you're just wanting that like nourishment, right? So you have natural ebbs and flows and we need to recognize what's driving that. And it could be your hormones. If your hormones are out of whack and you have like PCOS, diabetes, um, or endometriosis, something that has caused them to just you know, be abnormal, then instead of going with the, the period trackers, where like, if you're one of those women who skips routinely, like you just, you don't know when your next cycle is coming, then going by the phases of the moon can also be helpful. Okay. So yeah. So ovulation would be right around that full moon. Um, if your cycle doesn't correspond with the phases of the moon, do not worry. There has been um, some talk about the people who are um, full moon bleeders. Instead of having your ovulation on the full moon, you would instead have your menstrual phase. So it's like two weeks different from where it is um, or where it should be. And air quotes on that. Um, There's no shoulds. Okay. So just go with your natural cycle. If you have a cycle, go with it. If you don't go with the moon. Um, And that's because the moon has a 28 day cycle. I will say I I tried, this was five years ago or so, I tried to find scientific research to back the whole thing with women's cycles corresponding with the moon, um, meaning um, any evidence showing that more women are ovulating at the full moon. I was not able to find anything reliable. So this is not a scientific perspective. It's more of a clinical perspective. perspective. So you're really just using the tool of the natural cycles around your body when your body is not having its own cycles. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've actually noticed that like I went through a weird phase where I was bleeding on the new moon, but then it switched to the full moon and it, you know, like over, you know, over a variety of months or whatever, very, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on how long your cycles are. So the more the more that they are um, either overlapping or um, longer in length than the moon cycle, that's gonna that natural transition will happen, and that's okay. That's not a problem. I do the same kind of seed cycling. So I, I have women change their food based on where they are in their cycle to support hormonal health. And so one of the things that I found with a lot of women is we have to rebuild their metabolism because they've been under eating for decades to lose weight. And it's like, okay, so now you're at a point where you're eating 
800, 1200 calories a day and you're gaining weight, your body is so internally stressed. It's like, nope, we got to hold on to everything because we can't afford to lose this. Right. And so rebuilding a metabolism and, and feeding a, a woman really rich, nourishing foods is important for that hormonal health. So if you have an irregular cycle, check back in on your diet. Are you getting enough fats? Are you getting enough protein? Most of the time you're not. Most of the time you're getting way too many simple carbohydrates, not enough fiber. And then you, you're constipated. You, you're just having painful periods. Like the whole thing's bad. So, um, I do a lot of nutritional work around the menstrual cycle, as well as getting women to get back in tune with their bodies. Um, do you have any questions about that? Are there any specific foods that you would recommend on different, um, the different cycles or maybe the, the different, like maybe explaining even the seed cycling, like what? Yeah. So let's go into seed cycling. Cause I do that a lot and I have a seed cycling handout on my website. So that can be really helpful for folks um, so that you can actually see what the outlay looks like. So during your menstrual flow, so when you're bleeding, that first uh, one to eight days of your cycle, you are considered to be producing more estrogen. Okay. So you're estrogenic. And if you're going off the moon phase, that's in that new moon time. Okay. So the seeds that you would be using would be like two tablespoons of flax seed and fish oil. So you want to make sure that you're getting, you know, one and a half to two grams of fish oil. A lot of times women are not getting enough of those essential fatty acids to make hormones. Your hormones are made out of fat. And a lot of times when women are trying to lose weight, that's the first thing they cut out. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you're automatically screwing up your hormones. Okay. So then that next set. So the follicular phase is from, um, day eight to 15 that covers, um, the usual follicular. If your period is 28 days, you have to elongate these if your cycle is longer, right. But you're still estrogenic then. And, um, if you're going off the moon phase, then that's more of the waxing moon. So the moon is getting fuller and, um, that's when we switch instead of flaxseed, you do two tablespoons of pumpkin seed, and you're still doing those essential fatty acids with the fish oil. Okay. Then at ovulation, that's kind of the three days. It's kind of the day before you ovulate and then the day after. Um, so day 15 to 17, that's when we switch to progesterone, because if you become pregnant, you now have to grow a placenta. You have to keep building your lining, all of this. So we, we have the progesterone increasing and, um, that's corresponding with the full moon. Okay. So sunflower seed is then what we switch to. So you get sunflower seed and we switch out the, the fish oil for evening primrose. Okay. So instead of it being fish oil, which is EPA and DHA, then you're going to switch to GLA. And that's just for a uh, benefit of producing more progesterone. Okay. So estrogen and progesterone are the main um, sex hormones for, for females. If that's something that you're trying to wrap your mind around why is she using all these words? Um, the luteal phase is that last two weeks. And in this way that we've broken it down, it's really that, that week before you go um, onto your cycle and you're bleeding. So this is usually day 20 to 28, still producing progesterone. Now we're in the waning moon and we switch the sunflower seeds. Now we're switching it to sesame seeds and you're still doing the evening primrose. 
I have recipes with that handout for seed cycling for um, doing like seed cycling granola. So you have like a base recipe. And then for the first half of your cycle, um, you use pumpkin seeds and ground flaxseed. And then for the second half of your cycle, you're using sunflower seeds and sesame seeds um, in the whole mix of coconut and coconut oil, some maple syrup, if you're okay with that. And then pumpkin pie spice and sea salt. It's really delicious. You can have in cranberries, apricots, whatever. Um, it's really easy to make. My patients love it. So um, they'll have like a baggies that are, you know, differentiated between where they are in their cycle. Um, and then I also have um, a recipe for seed cycling energy bites. So it's like dates and cocoa powder. Um, dates are really good for like softening your cervix. So if you have painful periods, it might be something that would be helpful to start having. Um, so that's another thing. I actually learned that when I was pregnant. Um, and if you want to have a natural labor and you want to avoid induction, then one medjool date a day for the last trimester can be very helpful for ripening that cervix and getting everything moving. Um, I will say I did successfully have a home birth. So I, we went two weeks over, but that baby, <laughs> he came out. So that's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this. And this, these, these recipes are on your website. So I'll be able to put them in the show notes or, or like, yeah, it's, there's a seed cycling um, thing. You'll have to put in your email address to get it. Um, so I would encourage everybody to go and do that. If this sounds interesting to you. Um, what was I going to tell you? Oh, here's the thing. I really love studying the menstrual cycle and I was really good at tracking it, which is why when I had the conversation with everybody in when I was in medical school with you, I said, okay, so I had gone through two rounds of medical school. By the time that I had met you, I was on my second doctorate. Okay. So I had already finished my chiropractic. I was on my naturopathic enough of my life had passed. I wanted to be a mother. And I was like, typical type A person. I want to get pregnant October or November. I gave myself like two months to get pregnant. Right. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be in this window that year. I had planned this five years in advance. Like yeah. And I called my mom and I told her this and she's like, um, okay. So babies come when they're ready and you don't know when you're going to get pregnant. And I said, right, but I'm going to optimize everything and I'm going to have my cycle spot on so that then I have the best chances of getting pregnant in that beautiful window so that I give birth right after graduation. I can take some maternity time, move across the States, go to Colorado and, you know, we'll be ready to start my husband's graduate school then. So I was working on a very small window. And because I had done all of this work on my cycle, I had um, made everything as, as fertile as possible. My body was really good. I was, I was working with naturopathic doctors, working with chiropractors, getting my body right. And um, yeah, we got pregnant that second month. And um, Man, I cut that due date a little too tight. Uh, we got pregnant a little bit faster than I had anticipated. <laughs> and uh, I actually had to finish my clinical rotations early so that I could move to where I needed to give birth because home birth is illegal in Illinois. Um, and I wanted a home birth. So I had to move to Colorado, which was our end destination. Um, in order to do that. So I had to finish because I was going to graduate. Remember, my plan was to have this baby at home right after graduation. Well, <laughs> I missed graduation because I was giving birth. Oh so yeah, so <laughs> I planned it real well <laughs> and everything 
uh, did not go quite to plan, but it, at least the timeline worked out pretty well. So, yeah. I did not know that. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah, so it, it was intense. Yeah. For the listeners who are maybe thinking like, well, what did she do? Like, how did she optimize herself? Like, yeah. Share maybe just a little bit. I will totally go through that. So I, I worked with naturopathic doctors at the National University of Health Sciences Health Clinic. Okay. So shout out to y'all. Thank you very much. Um, and I, I was working with them to optimize my hormones, get my cycle right, because I had had some issues with possible PCOS. I was really fighting that diagnosis. I did not want to end up with uh, that being what it was, especially since my mother had diabetes. I was at a really high risk. Plus during graduate school, you're super stressed out. Your cortisol is super high. I gained like 50 pounds during my graduate school. It was insane. And um, that's really rough to hold a pregnancy while you are overweight. So I tried to get my weight down to a more optimal range, which I did. Um, I was in the sauna frequently um, because I wanted to detoxify as much as I could. Here's, here's something for all my first time mamas. If you are pregnant for the first time, you will go through the largest detox ever. And that is because your baby is taking on all of your crap. Mm. Yeah. So your first born will always have the highest toxic load to start with in, in any child for any family because of that. And because I knew, you know, I had a lot of toxic exposures. Um, I had always grown up in really poor neighborhoods, close to power plants and train stations and factories. I knew that I had a lot of crap in my system. So we did everything we could, castor oil packs, which anybody who knows me knows I love my castor oil packs. And um, I did the sauna a lot. I did hot and cold showers, which is super popular now, but it wasn't five years ago. Um, and I did it. I did it for a, more than a year in advance of my pregnancy. That is key. So you got to get your diet right. You got to get your hormones going right. Detox the hell out of you and your spouse or whoever your partner is, because his sperm quality is going to be affected by his diet, his stress level, alcohol intake, et cetera. Yeah. So, it yeah. takes two, baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said like a year out. Yeah. That's for, for me when I'm working with people, especially if they have any concerns about being infertile, I'm like, you got to get on this real early, the earlier, the better. And I got to tell you, I had fear from a very young age of not being able to be pregnant because, um, I was actually named after an infertile aunt. And, um, what's in a name, right? Like, oh, how could that actually be anything? But I was very concerned that I was going to end up like Aunt Janelle and I was not going to have babies. And for me, being a mom from a very young age was something that I wanted. I dressed up my dogs. Like I wanted a baby. Everybody knew like I was going to be the person taking care of everybody's babies. Right. I almost became a midwife. Like that was how into like motherhood and babies I was. So it's no surprise that when I got out of uh, graduate school, I opened up a practice geared towards families, um, especially prenatal and pediatrics. And um, that has since blown up in popularity, but I, my clinic is very different than most of those who are pediatric 
chiropractic clinics. Um, what I tend to see is a lot of social media around what I would call the um, baby bump in heels, that real cute, perfect mom with the itty bitty waist, but like a giant pregnant belly that you can only see from the front or from the side, not from the front or the back. Like, yeah. And I was a plus size mom, you know, I um, was not fitting into that category and um, my pregnancy was not cute. In fact, when I went to a midwife appointment, I took a friend, thank God, uh, to this one in particular visit before my clinic shift. I went, I was like, isn't it hot in here? And they're like, no. And I was like, Man, it's hot in here. I am not doing well, guys. And uh, we get through my visit. She checks the baby. Heart rate's fine. Everything's fine. I think I'm in my third trimester. And my midwife is, is taking off her gloves at the trash can, right? And she's getting ready to throw them in. And she's a petite woman and I'm like a semi truck coming out of Honda and I push her out of the way <laughs> so that I can throw up in the trash can and I don't just throw up nicely. It was a lot. And I hadn't eaten in, I broke every blood vessel in my face. My friend, um, who's also a doctor, uh, Dr. Lodal, uh, she was there and thankfully she held my hair cause I have really long hair. And man, I just, I literally broke every blood vessel in my face. I looked like I was in a car accident and I still had to go see patients afterwards. So I didn't own makeup. I don't wear a lot of makeup and I didn't own foundation or anything. So we had to stop at a convenience store to buy like foundation so that I could at least cover it up because it's alarming. Like I had black eyes from breaking all of the capillaries in my face. My pregnancy was not cute. And that should have been my, my wake up call, um, but it wasn't. <clears throat> so when my baby was born, um, well, okay, first off, before he was born, he was breech. At 36 weeks, we found out he was breech, which is a problem if you're going to have a home birth. They won't let you vaginally deliver a breech baby now. They used to way back in the olden days. <clears throat> excuse me. We had skilled midwives who could do that, but now we have lost those skills which is a shame for the birthing community, but that is where we're at right now. So I was facing a C-section in a hospital, which is not what I wanted, or get this baby to turn. And being a chiropractor, I knew I needed to find somebody to do the Webster technique on me, which is something that they do to balance out mother's pelvis to give you the best positioning possible for an effective birth, um, but also to allow baby to, to move as they will. This is not a technique for flipping babies. It's for mom's pelvis. But if mom's in good shape, baby can flip if they can. So if there's a cord issue, if, if the baby is some other way restrained from flipping, they can't, they can't go head down. But I was hoping that that wasn't the case. And thankfully it was not because we, we went through Webster technique. I drove to Denver um, every week for a while to get this procedure done. Um, and I, I lived, you know, an hour plus away from Denver. And um, so we got it done. We did Moxa, we did herbs, we did spinning babies, we did literally everything. I did the flashlight trick. I did all kinds of bizarre stuff, right? Because I just wanted that home birth. Got it done. My midwife at some point was like, we're going to have to transfer. And I was like, no, we are effing not. 
And she was like, okay, in the next 30 minutes, if we can't progress from this stage to the next, we're transferring. And I connected with baby and I was like, you're coming out, babe. If you can come out, you need to come out. If you need help, fine, we'll transfer. But you better come out. Mom is telling you, you're going to be in big trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to learn now. Things are going to go to plan. Um, So, yeah. And my birth was was real, real rough. I, I would say it was brutal is probably the best way that I would say it. It was a great home birth. It was beautiful in that regard. But I felt beat up after and my midwife was like yeah that was one of the hardest births I've ever seen yeah he was positioned sunny side up which means that his lovely gigantic noggin rubbed every part of my sacrum so my tailbone all the way out um it I tore very minimally but uh it was it was brutal and I had people I had very strong boundaries around my birthing area. And I, I told people, no, no one's coming in. It's just me and, and my husband um, for a week. I was like, you can come see the baby, you know, a week later. And I was like in no good place, like at all. Everything was like real rough, real wrong. Um, and I had another colleague stop by and adjust me, thank God, because your body is a mess after you give birth. You've been living with this thing growing inside of you, and now all of a sudden you have an empty hole, right? And so your organs have to reposition. I got body work done from other local professionals. Um, I did a lot of stuff to get my body back. Thank God I did because I don't have those issues with like leaking urine and all of that that I could have had. He was a giant baby, right? I see women in my practice who are now in menopause who have been leaking for decades because one, it was something that they didn't talk about. And so how are you going to get help for something that you don't recognize is a problem or you're just told it's normal. So it's like, well, whatever I had babies get used to it. Right. So you and I both know from naturopathic medical school that your body responds to the stresses put upon it. And if you can correct Um, an imbalance in the pelvis, you should, in most cases, be able to correct leaking urine. But women tend to not talk about things down there, especially after they've had babies, because now you are a mother. You are not a sexual being. You are a mother. Don't you dare wear a low-cut shirt. Don't you dare. Uh Uh-uh. You are a mother, right? And let me tell you, um, motherhood was a slap in the face from what I was expecting. It was a real rude awakening. Everyone says, oh, motherhood is hard. That is not a significant enough qualifier for the changes that you go through mentally and physically. The difference in how you relate to your body is worse than a second puberty. Like you have breast milk coming out of things that were otherwise kind of cute before um and now okay can you still hear me okay sorry i got a phone call (laughs) um so so your breasts change which were already kind of hard to relate to but now you're like oh okay and now i'm feeding somebody with my body which is super cool and amazing like i love it but also how the hell do you do that like i i had gone through medical school twice I had never seen someone in person breastfeed. 
I know a lot about the human body and yet I had not witnessed with my own eyes successful breastfeeding. Wow. So I had to ask a friend who had a baby. I said, look, I'm like super into birth. I, I'm actually amazed that I don't know this. Can I watch you breastfeed? Like, is that weird for you? And she's like, no, God, I don't care at all. <laughs> she's like, at this point in my life, I just whip them out. <laughs> so that's a big difference too. Um, and, and it was amazing to get to watch this because then I had the ability to relate to that and breastfeed my own baby, which... Um, is another reason why I'm super passionate about pediatric chiropractic because there was a point where my son kept losing weight and I was really scared because if I can't feed him, what, what good am I? Mm. Right. Mm. If, if I have to supplement with formula, I'm harming him. Mm. Right. You have these crazy misconceptions that come out. Like, you're just trying to feed and take care of a baby, which has now become your entire existence. And it's painful and it's awful. So now I try to help moms and I say, look, breastfeeding doesn't have to be painful. Your nipples after the first week should not be chapped, cracked, sore. And if they are, go get help. And it, it may be in the form of a lactation consultant, a midwife, whoever your support people are, go to them. If you don't have one, find a pediatric chiropractor because they will be able to look at your baby and see if there's something that they can change about their mouth and the way that their jaw and their neck is moving to latch on. So that was a big thing. Um, and I had already gone through all of the certification classes to be uh, a pediatric chiropractor. So I was looking at my own baby like, okay, look, we got to figure this out. And I have a whole video dedicated to that process and what that looked like. Um, if you go look at YouTube, Shaw Family Practice, you'll see it. Um, Pain-free breastfeeding is that video. But I went ahead and, and I just broke it down for myself and was like, we got to figure this out. Now, over time... I still am trying to prepare moms for the, the life after birth because you do not relate to your body the same way. Your mental capacities are different. The way you view the world is totally different. Like I look at somebody else's kid and I'm like, where's your mom? Like I automatically want to know, like, are you being taken care of or do I need to step in? And I always had that to an extent, but it's a whole different level now. Um, and there was some resistance to it at first because of all of the trauma that I had had growing up. So um, here's a trigger warning for anyone who may have had sexual abuse in the past. If you're not in a good headspace right now, if now's not a good time, press pause, come back later. I love you. Just come back when you're ready. So here we go. Um, so I went through a lot of sexual abuse as a child and I still hold a lot of that with me, especially in my body. And when it comes to the birthing process, I was concerned that that was going to hang me up and I, it was going to keep me from having a vaginal birth. Right. So then as a mother, I'm like re-experiencing things that happened in my own childhood, but from a different vantage point. Right. So now I'm connecting back to these same situations as a mom instead of as the child. And I'm like, you know, questioning the roles that people played and how could you not know? Or what would it have taken to have something like that happen in my own life now as the mom? Right. 
so I, I'm really like connecting back to all of these things. And when I start teaching women about their bodies, we hit a wall sometimes. And that's when we take a deeper dive with past traumas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So um, a lot of times on my first patient visit, I will ask like, so what trauma have you had? And that's when I get the whole download of everything that this woman has been through. And oftentimes there's a lot of tears. There's a lot of crying. It's, um, it's traumatic to re-experience or to have to explain to someone things that you've been through. So, yeah. yeah. I think because in my work as well, I know that so much of what people deal with on the day to day has so much, it has everything to do with childhood and the beliefs that you created and the, the traumatic stuff that is still stored in the body that has Mm -hmm. not been released yet. And I, I think I have had conversations with people who are like, well, that's in the past. Like it's, I'm just, I'm over it. And I'm like moving on. Why do I need to go back there? What do you, what do you say to people? Well, do you get that? And what, like, what do you say to that? I, I don't. And I think maybe it's, it's the way that we get there, that they're already recognizing yeah. crap. This is, this ties back. And it's when they have recognized it and they're ready to deal with it, that then we have those um, finishing the conversation uh, bits that come out. So um, there's a local practitioner here, Erica Osborne, where we were talking about this recently. And she said, there's a technique that she picked up. I can't remember who she credited for it, but it was finishing the conversation. And you basically go through these past traumas and you envision the... um, inflictor and you finish the conversation now as an adult. So for me, you know, thinking back of my stepdad and like, you know, I can't believe you hit my dog. Like I, why would you do that? You know? And like the things that I remember are not full pictures. And I know that, and I do not consciously remember all of the surrounding minutiae that caused these things to come about. But I can finish the conversation from the facts that I know. And he doesn't have to be there. It doesn't have to be me and this person in the same room, which for me right now, I'm like, Lord have mercy. 10 years ago, I probably would have ended up in prison if I had seen you in person right? Like you ruined parts of my life. The ability to enjoy sex is different when you have had trauma, right? And so when I talk to women, it is so rare that women will be like, yeah, no, I actually haven't had any trauma. And I'm like, wow, you are a freaking unicorn. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you real? Like, Are you just saying that because you don't want to have the conversation, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but it is so rare for a woman to say that. So if you have these secrets that you are not telling someone, or you don't feel ready to tell someone, just realize that there may be ways that it's affecting you and it will continue to do so at a very deep level until you choose to address it. Yep. 
I just had uh, Dr. Jenny Buchner on my podcast and we were talking about um, how both of us didn't realize that we had had like sexual, like sexual trauma, like, like full out sexual, sexual trauma. We didn't even realize it until we were in our twenties. Yeah. And it's like only in, and I only realized it because I had been doing the healing work. And I think so many times we repress the memories. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, it's blocked from our awareness because I, I have the perspective it's blocked because we're not in a space to be able to handle the truth. It would ruin us. It would collapse us. Denial is an amazing coping mechanism. It gets you through. It does. If you do not have the bandwidth to address something, simply letting it sit there and stew is fine because you can get through it. Mm -hmm. And it is a survival mechanism. So when you're done with surviving an event and you want to finish that stress cycle, you want to start anew, you want to start fresh, you've got to finish with the shit from your past. You cannot let it continue to sit there. Um, I will say, just as a caveat for anybody who's like, wow, she's swearing a lot. I don't normally, but when we talk about deeper issues, I think that it helps get past the um, mental blocks that people have of, oh, she's a doctor. And when I talk to you more like a girlfriend, you can get to a deeper place faster. So just know that, yes, I'm a doctor and I'm also a friend. I'm an ally. You can relate to me. I swear to. So, <laughs> yeah. I do the same. I mean, inner bitch, inner truth podcast, right? <laughs> it's, um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that this really leads into the conversation we kind of started having before we started recording about this feminine energy and being scared to tap into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there is risk in the womb space. Not all of us are trained and ready and capable of getting to that feminine energy freely, especially if we've had trauma in the past. So for me, I have a lot of resistance around the word girly or feminine. And it, in, in my mind, it goes back to how um, easy of, an, of a target a woman is if she's wearing high heels and can't run, if she's in a dress, how easily manipulated she could be long hair, etc. So there are certain aspects of traditional female images that I am drawn to that I like, and I'm okay with having expressed on my own body. So like long hair, um, I no longer can do long nails because I am adjusting people. And so I'm touching their bodies and long nails get in the way of that. But I love long nails, like Dolly Parton long nails. Okay. Um, and like I was mentioning earlier, like big breasts were something that was like an identifier for me throughout most of my life. And so like, it was like, oh yeah, Jonelle, like the girl with the big boobs, like that was like the thing that people remembered about me. 
And um, so that part was like, okay, but like a womb space and a vagina and like whispered terms, like, oh God, that's, that's different. That's wrong. That's dirty. You know, like those kind of things, we have this misconception around it. And I think going through pregnancy and birth, I'm like, I I totally related to the whole like elbow, vagina, elbow, vagina, like just say it. It's just another part of your body. It's not dirty. It's not gross. It's just another part of your body. And, And when you've had sexual trauma, that same resistance to repressed memories and such, that could be a part of your body that you have literally taken your body map and just like, nope, it doesn't exist. I am androgynous. It's not there. So um, that's a big block that I find for a lot of women, which is why menstrual cycles are so hard to understand for a lot of us because it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's a bad thing. Yeah. I know for me, when I started having these memories kind of return and pop up, I remember I was, I was scared of more coming up. And that the more that I leaned into my femininity, that, like, I, I guess I just want to normalize that fear because I think, I think it is normal that the more you lean into your sexuality, your femininity, and if you have had sexual trauma and these memories come up and then it's like, I can be in the moment and be like pulled away from the moment thinking like, oh my gosh, like, like, you know, what ifs, like the what ifs. And it's like, nope, we got to just come back to the present moment, come back to the present. And yeah, I, I just felt like I needed to share that to normal. Like if anyone listening is like, well, I'm scared to go there because what if I do have repressed memories? What if I am in denial? And I guess I just want to say that for me, I know that the memories that have resurfaced, I've been able to handle it. Like I have been strong enough to deal with, it's not easy it's very painful, but it's still not totally collapsing in the same way, like in the way that I, I guess, was fearful of. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons why it is helpful to give yourself space to know when it's okay to go there and when it's not. So like, let's go back to your menstrual cycle and and when is a good time for these kind of things. A lot of reflections happen when you bleed that's a great time for taking a deeper dive with things and just sitting with uncomfortable, ugh, because that's where the work gets done. And it's in that pause and in that fertile void that you realize there's more to this and you're not going to get the whole picture all at once. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Before I ask you this last question, is there anything that we uh, didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure that we talked about? Nothing's coming to mind. I feel like we we took a, a nice little jog around a lot of feminine issues, motherhood, cycles. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, I love this conversation. Okay, so before this last question, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Um, On Instagram. Oh, go ahead. Okay. On Instagram, um, I'm at, I'm at Shaw Family Practice. 
and um, Facebook, same thing. YouTube, you just have to search for um, Shaw Family Practice. There's only a few videos right now, but I promise you, if you subscribe, you're going to end up seeing a ton more because that's my goal for 2021 is to get information like this up in video format. Love it. Yes. And if people have questions about anything that they listened to today, are you okay with them reaching out to you? Yeah, totally. You can give them my email. Okay, cool. Okay. So my last question is what is like one big takeaway that you want every single woman to know? Mm. Okay. There's two different things that are coming to mind. One is what do I want every woman to do? The other is what I want every woman to know. So the first thing that I want you to do is get a free uh, cycle tracking app. I love Ovia because it transitions well into pregnancy if that is your goal. And then if not, that's fine, but it's free. So I love it. You can track everything from cervical um, discharge and libido and what kind of sex you had, whether it was pull out or protected or whatever. Um, it's phenomenal. And you'll see a lot of patterns tracking that. The other thing I want you to know is that it's okay to not be the same um, day in, day out. It's okay to not be the same week to week because every woman, even the woman next to you or the woman you can see out the window, she's going to be in a different part of her cycle than you are. And so if you look at a bouquet of flowers, they are not going to all be blooming at the same time. You might see one that has a bud. You might see one that has, you know, petals that are coming off and wilting. And that's the beautiful thing about females is if you can appreciate that beauty, no matter where you are in that cycle, it's gonna be better off for you and gives the, the woman next to you the power to do the same. Oh my gosh, I love this. I learned so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to do this with me today. Yay. I really appreciate you. <laughs> Absolutely. 